If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, a podcast where we talk about old stuff and make it new. <laughs> my name is Becca, and as my favorite song by the Sherman Brothers goes, in the French version at least, we are all ants. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Josh, and it's not the size of the supervillain that counts. Oh, no. It's how they use their size to commit super crimes. It's how dense they are while they're committing those super crimes. Yes. <laughs> that really matters. Yes, we're a couple. We talk about Silver Age comics, and this week's comic is about the Ant-Man. Yeah, you know, Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one. Let, let's go over news before we get into the comic, though. Okay. Okay? So, first item on the news is that Batwing will be in Batwoman Season 2. He's going to be portrayed by Camrys Johnson, And my note here is that his costume looks like Nightwing's costume and his helmet looks like Optimus Prime. Hmm. If you want to go and look up a picture real quick. No, yeah, I saw earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, he definitely looks really Nightwing-y. Has Cameron Johnson been in anything else? I haven't heard that name before. This maybe is his big break. And I also know the CW shows tend to cast lesser known actors. Yes, yes. Vancouver budgets. Yeah, full disclosure, Becca and I do not watch the Batwoman television series. Yeah, but your mom does. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. She what she's watched like Black Lightning and she yeah. watches Flash and stuff. And Arrow. And Arrow, yeah. She <laughs> Big Arrowverse fan. Big, big fan of, of the DC CW shows. Yeah. Um but otherwise, yes, uh that's all the news that I have. If you want to go look up a picture of him, you can. I'm a little disappointed. I wish that his costume had been the sort of more metallic looking one that he has in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember him in New 52 looking a little bit more like Terry's Batman suit. It's just kind of like slick hmm. and it has wings. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's more black. Okay, uh, my second piece of news is the DC Super Pets movie, Ooh. which was announced and is coming in May of 2022. That's soon. Yeah, it's it's really soon, surprisingly. They have announced the cast so far, we know that Crypto will be played by Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, punching up that acting career that's, as Dwayne The Rock Johnson does. There isn't a role he won't take. I know. And it's because he just has like such, like if there's a real life version of plot armor, he has that. <laughs> like there's nothing, he, there's no product he could take on that would ruin his career. He is so beloved by every single demographic. I mean, he did the, he did like the Tooth Fairy movie or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> He just has that, like, unstoppable charisma, and also he's jacked as hell. So no one is going to be, what, are the people going to be like, oh, you're, like, doing kids' movies? Woo. It's like, he could kill you with a, with uh, one hand. He was, I mean, he was in uh, Moana, so he... There's he was a, great in Moana. There's a, there's a precedent for him doing animated children's movies. Yeah. Is he going to sing in this one? I don't know. I don't think Crypto the Superdog is known for singing. You never know. <laughs> Uh, we also have Ace the Bat Hound is going to be played by Kevin Hart. Oh, I don't want that. You don't want that. I don't understand why Dwayne Johnson insists on literally and figuratively carrying Kevin Hart through his career. <laughs> I think they're just like best of buds. 
And it's the same thing that, like, Seth Rogen and... um, James Franco? Yeah, James Franco have, where, like, every single movie they do, they always do it together. Okay, but James Franco and Seth Rogen both seem like they're, like, well, I don't want to say really say anything nice about James Franco at this point in time. <laughs> He's had a couple allegations come out against him. But it does seem that, you know, at least in the past, they're both, like, pretty funny and they mm-hmm. played off of each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I don't think that's the dynamic between Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. I, think I mean, we haven't seen Jumanji or its sequel. I so. know. I think Kevin Hart just like cracks Dwayne Johnson up, and he's like, "I gotta have this little guy around me all the time. <laughs> this man, this man makes me happy." And I'm, I'm, I love that for Dwayne's journey. I'm happy that Kevin Hart makes him happy. <laughs> Kevin Hart does not make me happy, so I'm not looking forward to this movie. At least he's not in Jungle Cruise. <laughs> what Kevin Hart? Yeah, you don't know that. He better not be a Jungle Cruise. You know what I heard this week? More news. Oh. Um, I heard that Jungle Cruise, well, I, I saw a new trailer for it, which oh, yeah. I haven't seen in, like, years. That movie's been in development for, like, five or six years now. Oh, yeah, now. definitely, definitely. Um, it had to apparently go through massive reshoots because it was going to be one of those, again, one of those Disney movies that's like, this Disney movie has the first gay character. Uh-huh. But for some reason, when they first wrote it, they just, like the whole story arc surrounding him was like massively homophobic and they've just in the past couple of years they're like oh no we can't release this and they had to like rewrite his entire story arc that's weird that's the rumor that's the rumor that's that's one of the reasons why it's just been you know in production for so long Mm. is they've had to do like reshoots and rewrites to make it not awful in 2021 (laughs) Uh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we have the rest of the cast, but we don't have casting, uh, like, information about which character they'll play. And that includes Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha Leone, Diego Luna, and Keanu Reeves. Fun. So my question- is another one who will, like, he'll take any Yeah, he'll take a lot of roles. He's he's embraced his status as a meme Uh in in these past few years, and that's great for him. He's had his big, you know, he had his huge break and his huge iconic roles in the 90s, and he had his huge iconic comeback as John Wick, and now he's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll be in a video game, I'll 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 play a cat, who cares, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) So my question to you, who do you think is playing Streaky? And for the listeners who do not know, Streaky is the cat that has the Flash's powers. Is it usually a boy cat or a girl cat? Um, I don't know hmm. if I, it... Yeah, you're putting me on the spot. I okay. want to say it's a boy. Okay. Um, of, of the list of people who have been listed here, you think it's John Krasinski? I mean, they probably. could always do a gender bend. So. Yeah. It could be Kate McKinnon. Could be John Krasinski. Who who do you think has sort of like a manic energy that would be a best fit for a a cat that is a speedster? Uh, Maybe John Krasinski. Okay. Yeah. He's got, you know, those comedic chops. Okay, and then my second question is, who do you think is playing Dex Star? For the listeners who don't know, that is the Red Lantern that is a cat. Okay, Dex Star is not a pet. Okay. He is, he is a... a villain. Yes, he's a he villain. He's a hero. Okay. Sometimes. And you, before the podcast, you were like, Dexstar isn't going to be in this movie because he isn't a, a super pet. He is a super animal, and this movie is going to need a villain. So if not Dexstar, who do you think would be the villain? Uh, Starro in that one <laughs> universe where... No, hear me out. The one universe where he's... He, 
the one guy from the Starro comic names his cat after Starro. <laughs> Listeners, go back to the uh, Starro versus Justice League episode for more information about Starro the cat. <laughs> was Oh, and it was a villain? No, it's just a cat. Oh. <laughs> so why would it be... I don't know. Maybe it gets Starro's powers or something. Hmm. Um, do you think that they'll be fighting human villains or do you think they'll be fighting pet villains? Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd. Well, the, now, see, he's not a pet either. Well, he's an animal. Okay. Gorilla Grodd is as much a pet as Dexstar is. Dexstar? Yeah, but Dexstar is a cat. Nobody keeps a gorilla as a... Well, most people don't keep gorillas as pets. People keep cats as pets. That's why I included Dexstar in my, like, who do you think might play him? Are there any DC evil dogs? Uh, there may be. Listen, I haven't watched a lot of Super Pets media, so I don't know, like, what their typical villain they fight is. I want to say it's usually just regular criminals. Mm. Are they uh, gonna make up, like, new ones? Like, oh, this is Supergirl's, I don't know, bird or whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a number of super pets that are are like pretty obscure. There's there's a number of like Batman themed super pets that I'm sure they're not going to use. They should do it all in Sheldon Maldoff's art style. <laughs> no, because he can draw pets. No, he can. <laughs> he can draw dogs. Okay, that was that for that. Unless you have anything else to say about super pets, no. Okay. The third piece of news is that on Mark Marin's WTF podcast. Uh, he interviewed Danny Elfman, and Danny Elfman told him in that interview that he wrote the Batman 1989 movie theme on an airplane, and he did this by getting up from his seat, humming into a tape recorder in the bathroom, and then sitting back down at his seat, and then he would sit and, like, think about the melody, and get up and then hum more in the bathroom, and then sit back down. <laughs> and he said that it, like, alerted the staff who were very curious as to what he was doing. And, like, he was going to the bathroom way too often to, like, just be doing drugs or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you never know. He was a pop star. <laughs> Uh, he also said that he was worried, the reason why he did this was because he was worried that he would land and get into the airport terminal and they would be playing a Beatles song and he would lose the melody. Oh no. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's it's a great story. I, I And that Danny Elfman theme for the 89 Batman film is like super iconic. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's the basis for the animated series opening. It's so good. Bum, 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 bum. Don't sue us. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, that's it for news. Great. I love that. I feel so informed. Good. Thank you, Thank you Joshua. <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for you. So we're going to go back to a segment that we've had on hold for the last couple of weeks while we've been doing our various series and things. But uh, time keeps on a ticking. And uh, August is getting here faster than I thought it was. <laughs> so now it's time for another edition of... Squad goals. So, let's uh, get back into the heavy hitters. There's definitely one main character of Suicide Squad, and we know he's going to be a main character because he's one of three people who are returning from the last film that we have uh, neglected to talk about. And that is Captain Boomerang. Hmm. So, like Deadshot, right? Um, no, not like Deadshot. <laughs> This one, he doesn't use guns. Okay, He's, what does he use? Oh, I bet you can... I gave you three guesses. Ooh, didgeridoo. Yes, exactly. Didgeridoos, kangaroos, and... Um, 
Barbecues. Barbecues. All the three things on the Australian flag. All right. The man we know as Captain Boomerang was born George Harkness in Carumbara as the illegitimate son of American toy maker W.W. Wiggins and a woman named Betty Harkness. After Wiggins was out of the picture, Betty raised George with her abusive husband, Ian. And from a young age, George was drawn to two things, mischief and a boomerang that he had made for himself. After he and a friend used this boomerang to rob a general store, his parents kicked him off the con. Wait, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pause you right here. I, I, thought, I thought you might have questions. Okay. He used a boomerang to rob a general store? Yeah. Okay, how does that work? I assume he threw it at people and threw it through, like, you know, uh, okay. display cases. Listen, I, I had a boomerang as a child. You weren't good at it like he was. He's okay. real. He's good enough... At it to use it to rob places. Okay. Even then, it's not it's not like a, a weapon that you can use to threaten people with. You say that, but it killed a man in an episode of Sherlock. <laughs> it's, it's not... Like, unless you sharpen it, I guess, or it's made out of metal. Which I know, like, I've seen stuff with Captain Boomerang in it. I know that he usually carries around... Metal boomerangs that have, like, blades on them. Yeah, they're but dangerous. this sounds like he was a kid with a regular boomerang. And regular boomerangs are fragile. They can break and they can snap in two. He made this one himself. They're made out of light wood so they can fly. He basically just throws it at people who are pursuing him after robbing a general store. And, uh, like, cuts them off at the knees. And then he gets I- it back. Oh, okay. It's, it's the weapon. It's like a projectile so that he, is he comes in- back to. It's like endless bullets. <laughs> That's why he's so, so dangerous. <laughs> So he is—he didn't go up to the store owner and be like, I have a boomerang, better hand over all your goods. No. Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> okay. No, no. Uh, but he was kicked off the continent by his parents for doing this, and his mother bought him a plane ticket and encouraged him to go find his real father in Central City. Aha. George did, did as he was told and found his father was looking for a spokesman to promote his new toy. A boomerang. Oh, wow. Wow. It runs in the family. Yeah. So under the alias George Green, uh, he won the role and was given a costume and the name Captain Boomerang by his real father. Wow. That's sweet. So he was actually an advertising, like his his villain is his villain costume, uniform and name all come from an advertisement for a toy. Yeah, absolutely. That's. (laughs) He had this crazy, like, blue costume and kind of like a like a 1960s flight attendant hat. <laughs> it's not very uh, scary yeah. or threatening looking no, no, as no. a villain, which worked for him. Uh, because immediately after assuming the moniker of, Boom- of Captain Boomerang, uh, Boomerang uses the costume and his weapon of choice to start robbing jewelry stores. <laughs> and after attracting the attention of the Flash, Boomerang pulled a bizarre move where he convinced the Flash that the jewel thief was just impersonating him, <laughs> the Wiggins toy character, to try and get him arrested. And surprisingly, oh, Flash believes this <laughs> until Boomerang knocks him out and ties him to a rocket boomerang heading into space. Uh, but when it comes back, Flash is able to like slip off the rocket. Wait, why would he have it? Okay, I understand he's a boomerang-themed villain. Yeah. Why send him into space only to have him return? Why not just send him into space forever? I think that, well, obviously, it can't be forever. It's a boomerang. It has to come back. It's okay. thematic. And yeah. you got to get a gimmick. Um, the idea, I believe, was when the rocket 
crashes back down to Earth, Flash would die. Oh, but he, okay. like, escapes at the last second, and then he's able to get Boomerang and put him behind bars. Got it, got mm-hmm. it. Okay. If we ever decide to do a spinoff podcast about The Flash, we will have plenty of content with Boomerang episodes. Okay. Some of his Silver Age exploits include planting getaway boomerangs in every jail within 100 miles of Central City. And these aren't normal boomerangs. They're they're getaway boomerangs. And also they're invisible (laughs) until he is able to materialize them with his brain waves. So that's one thing that he does. Okay. And he uses it to like get out of a paddy wagon at one point. <laughs> uh, he also can contort his body into a boomerang and fling him tel- himself towards the Flash. When you know when Flash no, does that thing. No way. You know when Flash does that thing where he like waves his arm and he makes tornadoes. Yes. He uses that on boomerang and boomerang like makes his body into a boomerang and like shoots himself back at the Flash to like <laughs> knock him over. So that's fun. Uh, and he also uses a, mis- a machine to send the Flash into an alternate dimension full of monsters. Okay. Which Flash is able to get out of by contorting his own body into a boomerang. No. So that he can return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how does that work? Oh, you know, science. <laughs> yeah, just like all these Silver Age comics. Machines. <laughs> Machines and science. Yeah, exactly. Alternate dimensions. I'm sure he vibrated his cells. His molecules. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So on his first outing with the Suicide Squad, Boomerang really only joins up with the promise of a pardon. Uh, and once this incredibly deadly and dangerous mission was over, Amanda Waller wants to keep him locked up. But Rick Flag convinces her to keep her word and Boomerang is released and he immediately goes on a crime spree in New York City. <laughs> Boomerang, Boomerang is then caught by G. Gordon Godfrey, who says that he plans to execute Boomerang on live TV. And Boomerang blackmails the squad into rescuing him, threatening that he's going to expose their existence and their membership during his execution. So he's reluctantly saved by Bronze Tiger, Enchantress, and Rick Flagg, who, after Boomerang thanks them for rescuing him, uh, punches Boomerang in the face (laughs) for all of the trouble that he put them through. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Boomerang is one of the least liked members of the squad throughout the years due to his constant sexual harassment and racist remarks. (laughs) And he often chooses to let squad members die if they've annoyed him in, like, previous parts of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's also been known to hide and avoid conflict if he can. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Uh, The biggest development with him in recent decades was during the events of Identity Crisis. After reuniting with his estranged son, whose name was Owen, Boomerang and Jack Drake, who's Tim Drake's father, simultaneously killed each other in a fight. And following this, Owen took up his father's mantle, becoming the second Captain Boomerang. Unlike his father, Owen exhibits limited superpowers, and he's able to maintain bursts of superhuman speed over short distances. He's oh. Not exactly a speedster, but on occasion he can, like, zip around okay. a little bit. Okay, so that sort of puts him on a more even footing with the Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did this Identity Crisis storyline take place? Identity Crisis was in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. So it was like 2004, 2005. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was before the events of uh, Blackest Night and Brightest Day. During the events of Blackest Night, 
Harkness is reanimated as a Black Lantern and ends mm. up ripping out his own son's heart. That's fun. Uh, trying to turn him into a Black Lantern as well. And then during Brightest Day, he's brought back to his normal state by the White Lantern for mysterious, still unknown reasons. Mm. It's only been, I don't know, 15 years, whatever. So I'm sure we'll get an answer at some point. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but that whole storyline was like bringing characters back from the dead. Like characters who had been dead are, are brought back from the dead and then they're brought back to life. Yeah. Basically at the end, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And I don't know. I haven't read it, so I, I can't like... I physically am unable to read Green Lantern comics, so I'll never know. <laughs> we know this about me. I have it, tried, the, and it just looks like static. You don't, you don't, you do that thing that the Westworld characters do. Yeah, does, does, it doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> I try to read a Green Lantern comic. It's so true. It's you, really true. You don't like them Space Police boys? No, I don't understand. I only like the one that looks like a cat because I understand him. He's so angry. I love him. Oh, I love Dexter. Justice for Dexter. Does he have a series? I would read all about it. Dexter. I'm sure he ha- he must have a series. Oh, yeah. At some point in the history of comic books, he must have gotten his own solo series. Little angry baby. <laughs> yes. I love him. Okay. Boomerang has appeared in such animated series as Justice League Unlimited and Young Justice, along with other members of the Suicide Squad. Basically, anytime the Suicide Squad shows up, he's right there with them. Mm-hmm. He's also appeared in three episodes of the live-action Arrow series, debuting in the first crossover of the Arrow and Flash series. However, he never really appeared in the Flash television show, which oh, is that's, weird. That's weird. He's, he's one of the most... He's besides, like, a, like, Captain Cold. Yeah, Captain Cold, Captain ones. Boomerang, and then uh, Gorilla Grodd, I think, is also a Flash villain. He's kind of just a general, but yeah. But yeah, that's that's very odd that he, he didn't show up in the Flash series and did, then shows up in the in the Arrow series. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He also appears in several of the good DC animated universe movies, uh, including Batman: Assault on Arkham and the Fantastic Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay, mm. which is maybe the one I would recommend the most highly. If you're only going to watch one and you don't want to watch one that's based on a comic book, watch Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay. It's I wish the first Suicide Squad movie had just been that. Oh, man. Yeah, that is a great movie. For for anybody who's, like, even a little interested, the whole movie is about them trying to get a get-out-of-hell-free card mm-hmm. that's, like, I don't know, there's some sort of, you know, it was issued it's by... It's magic. Yeah, it's, like, magic Constantine's stuff. Constantine's in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but... But it's so cool the 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 whole because I mean in true Suicide Squad fashion like a lot of a lot of the cast is like you know wiped out by the end of the movie yeah it's so good here's something you'll be excited about and I think if you think back to the trailer for this when you first saw it this explains some things like it did to me okay uh, Boomerang will be one of the main playable characters in the upcoming game Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Uh-huh. However, this one has features of both Harkness and his son Owen. He has an Australian accent and a long criminal history like Harkness. However, he has Owen's speed powers. Mm. Do you remember there was a part kind of at the end of the trailer where like somebody like ran in and you were like, who who is that? Is that oh, Flash? yeah, yeah. He kind of like zips around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's a... Uh, it's Boomerang. Okay. It's kind of like a mixture of yeah. the two versions that, of Captain That's Boomerang. interesting because um, I, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to be, if, if it's like third-person shooter or something, but that sounds like some of the, the uh, like abilities that you can get mm-hmm. in like uh, Overwatch. Because I think there's a character in that who, same deal, kind of can like zip from point to point and, yeah. on like a countdown timer or whatever. 
Well, the game is made by Rocksteady, so I would assume that it's similar gameplay to the Batman Arkham game. I mean, it's going to be multiplayer, yeah. so it, it's definitely going to be a, at least a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't think we actually ever saw any gameplay. I think it was only like sort of like a cinematic trailer. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued, and I'd really like to play it, because I, I like all the other Rockstar games that I've played. Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Sorry. <laughs> Um, And I know we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's the Earth 3 Justice Society? No. Who? No. It's the regular Justice League. Under mind control by Brainiac? By Brainiac, yes. I think so. I gotcha. (laughs) You know, one of of the four main reasons the Justice League is ever evil. Yeah. Take take your pick. Injustice, Brainiac, or it's the Earth 3 ones. Yeah. (laughs) Either it's it's mind control, they're from a different dimension, or uh, Superman went crazy because somebody close to him died. Yeah. Or uh, what's that one that thing that's on him in the Man Who Has Everything? Does that make him up? Does that make him upset? Oh, the bla- oh, it was called like a black rose or something. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm confusing that for when he's got star star on, on him. Uh, yeah. On him in that episode of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way. Okay, add Starro to the mix of why Superman's evil. <laughs> Brain controlled by, by Starro. Well, that's that's mind control. Okay. It's the same deal. Sure. Put that in the same category. So, Boomerang is played by Jai Courtney in the first Suicide Squad film, and he's perhaps one of the biggest victims of the absolutely terrible editing process of the Suicide Squad. So, for people who might be unfamiliar, there was... The Suicide Squad was filmed... Uh, I don't exactly know what the drama happened at WB with it, but for some reason they decided to use a trailer editing house to edit the movie together. And I think at some point they kind of brought it to like a different editing house and they just sort of like mashed all these versions of the movie together into this like incomprehensible blob that they thought was going to make money. But this was in 2016 when they were just making like the most incomprehensible decisions ever and mm-hmm. letting Zack Snyder do whatever he wanted. <laughs> um, and also just like, but being like, but we don't trust any other directors to do whatever the heck they want. So we're going to have this trailer house cut together this huge movie. Yeah. So from what I remember is that the the first Suicide Squad trailer came out and people were like, eh, I don't know. It looks dark dark and, and moody like the other stuff. I'm mm. not really interested. And then the second trailer came out and that, that was, was the, the one queen with the Queen song and everybody was like, oh wow this looks really cool. Yeah. And then Warner Brothers was like, well let's let the company that did the trailer put together the whole movie. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so you can kind of see like different versions of everything in the final product and it just makes it a huge mess. But definitely one of the worst things that like you can see from the terrible edit is this random little thing that happens in Captain Boomerang's storyline. And I'm going to quote Dan Olson's YouTube video, which is titled The Art of Editing and Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Boomerang has this seemingly random love of pink unicorns. And we see it early in the film, he puts a stuffed unicorn in his jacket over his heart. Later, it flies out of his jacket during a fight, and he puts it back in the exact same place. And in an even later fight scene, Boomerang is stabbed in the heart, and you think, ah, with the pink unicorn, it protected his heart. I know this. I've been watching the movie and paying attention. Except, once Boomerang takes care of the man who stabbed him in the heart, he pulls the knife out, only to reveal it's been stuck in a wad of money that's in his jacket for some reason. And the pink unicorn is never heard of or mentioned ever again. Oh, so it's like a Chekhov's gun that just never gets used. Yeah. It 
it's this rule in movies, this rule of threes, where you do the setup, the reminder, and the payoff. So uh-huh. you get the setup with him putting it in his jacket. You get the reminder with it flying out of his jacket and putting it back in. But then there's never any payoff. There's no payoff. Yeah. So uh, we'll link the uh, video in the description if you're interested in all of the ways the Suicide Squad editing ruined what might have been a salvageable movie, mm-hmm. uh, debatably. Uh, hashtag release the air cut. Why not? <laughs> I'd watch it. Probably. We don't have anything better to do with our I don't our have lives. anything better to do with my life. <laughs> so Courtney will reprise his role in The Suicide Squad, and he's teased that he might appear in the upcoming Flash movie, stating in an interview that he didn't feel like he was completely done with Boomerang. Hmm. So. Interesting. I'm betting he hopes he'll be in the Flash movie. <laughs> be cool, though. I mean, he's a, he's a big part of the DCEU at this point. He's been in... Several of the movies. Two movies. Yeah. Technically, he was mentioned in Birds of Prey. There was a poster of him on the wall of the police station when Harley went to go pick up Cassandra Cain. And she, like, looks at him on the wall and she's like, I know that guy. (laughs) It's just a brief little... Why is he wanted in Gotham? You know, crimes against humanity. (laughs) He's like McCavity, wanted for everything. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, is that all you have to say about Captain Boomerang? That's all I got on Captain Boomerang. Okay, that ends this installment of Squad Goals. Heck yeah. Everybody is more prepared for the upcoming movie. Mm -hmm. And now we can move into this week's comic, Batman 156, The Secret of the Ant-Man. All right. (sighs) Crack my knuckles into the microphone. Let me take care of this. Okay. All right. So Hank Pym debuted in a seven-page solo cover story titled The Man in the Ant Hill about a character who tests shrinking technology on himself. In the science fiction fantasy anthology Tales to Astonish Number 27, cover date January 1962, Stan Lee stated in 2008, I once did a comic book called The Man in the Ant Hill about a guy who shrunk down and there were ants or bees chasing him. That sold so well, so I thought making him into a superhero would be fun. Okay, well, that's not th- that's not the Ant-Man that we're going to talk about, though. Oh. oh. Okay, I see. I see. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> Scott Lang is an ex-convict and electronics expert hired by Stark International, which enables him to steal the Ant-Man suit from Hank Pym, who had long since given up the name to help his sick daughter. When Pym finds out, he gives the suit to Lang, allowing him to become the second Ant-Man. Okay, well, uh, no, no, that's not the right... No, no, this is still the wrong Ant-Man. Oh. Okay, no, no, no worries, no worries, no problem. I'm, I am still prepared. Okay. Eric O'Grady is a low-level agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who stumbles upon the Ant-Man suit in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s headquarters. No. A man of few morals and willing to lie, cheat, steal, and manipulate in order to get ahead in life, Eric stole the armor for his own selfish plans, which included using his status as a superhero to seduce women and humiliate and torment others. Becca, uh, every single one of the Ant-Mans that you've talked about is from Marvel Comics. This is a DC Comics podcast. And those guys, other than Hank Pym, none of them even appeared in the Silver Age. So, so we're talking about the Atom? No, we're not talking about the Atom. The Atom is a different DC character. Who is this Ant-Man then? <laughs> That's what the secret is. We have to read the comic to find out the secret of the Ant-Man. Oh no! Okay, I'm ready now. Okay. I okay. guess I wasn't as prepared for the co- uh, for the for the podcast as I thought I was. <laughs> You have you have pages. Oh. oh my goodness! There's there's pages and pages of notes here that I, you're gonna have to throw out. No, all my notes, all my notes about Hank Pym. Okay, well, let's hop into the comic and maybe we can clear some things up. Okay, I'm excited. <clears throat> 
Um, this one, Batman 156, is a comic that we've already covered before. Yes. If you're curious about what happens at the end of this story, you can go back and read our Robin, or sorry, <laughs> go back and listen to our Robin's Death comic. Mm-hmm. So we open up with Bruce telling Dick that he's going on a top secret mission for a while. And again, if you'd like to know, go back to our Robin's Death podcast. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Later, Dick attends a school dance with a girl he calls Edie, which is not the girl that I talked about in the Dick Grayson episode that I said like falls for him and then is like, I love Robin more. Okay. This is a different girl. I don't think she has a history with Dick Grayson other than in this comic. She's just like a part-time girlfriend. I see. I, I'm very protective of who Dick goes out with and I don't know this girl. Mm. I don't trust her. Well, she has the same name as my grandmother. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess I trust her then. <laughs> Edie is forgetful, so she sends Dick out to get her scarf as she left on the terrace. I really like uh, Dick's orange getup mm-hmm. in this panel. Mm-hmm. Very trendy. Yeah. Very on brand. Yeah. Can you um? Can you just read the the top of this, of 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 this part of the panel? Can you read what it says? Yeah. It says shortly as Dick heads for the terrace. <laughs> Dick heads. Anyway, so while he's gone, a man who I presumably the principal announces to that an alumnus, in his words in the comic, says ex-alumnus, which is impossible. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> named Unless okay. you got your degree, and then they found out somehow that you had cheated to get your degree, and they revoked it from you. That's how you could be an ex-alumnus. I think you're still an alumnus. Alumnus just means that you went to the school, right? Doesn't mean that you necessarily graduated, right? I think it's kind of implied. Okay. Well, anyway, this man who is an alumnus named H.H. Hobbs, will be donating $20,000 in cash to the school's drive for new gym equipment. And Hobbs, like every rich Gotham socialite, has the $20,000 in cash with him in a satchel, Mm -hmm. and it only takes a moment before two armed mobsters are attempting to steal it. Should have had a giant check? Luckily. A gunman at prom? This is before his time. (laughs) Luckily, Dick's absence allows for him to change into his Robin costume, and he swings down on a trapeze that his school apparently has installed in their gym. Yeah, lucky there was a trapeze right where the gunman was standing. (laughs) That's that's fortune right there. And he lands on top of the mobster with a bag of cash, causing him to drop it. The second mobster makes a break for it, but his escape attempt is foiled by a small man in red tights with antenna and goggles. This man looks like the Tick. Yeah, he kind of does. He does. I don't like his little antennae. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem necessary. It doesn't seem like a necessary part of the costume. Uh, it's, it, it solidifies himself as the Ant-Man. It, yes, he, he introduces himself as the Ant-Man. Okay. Yes. I don't understand. It's never, I don't believe it's ever revealed how or where he got this costume. He made it. Okay. He must have. Okay. <laughs> Out of, using what sewing machine? Out of what? Oh, out of with his tiny stature, yeah. you're asking? Mm-hmm. Maybe he bought... Oh, okay. So he's... How did he buy anything? <laughs> he's small. Maybe he's... Okay. Maybe he stole. Mm. He's here stopping a mobster. So he's a, he's a hero. Okay. But but maybe he, maybe he somehow procured a doll or an action figure's, uh, like, costume. Okay. And put it... You know, he got, like, a G.I. Joe or whatever to, and, and took it in. <laughs> 
He took it in. So so it would fit him. He's like, ah, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Mapes Toy Store and steal some Barbie clothes. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I see it. Okay. So so yes. He introduces himself as the Ant-Man, who has many times more physical prowess than his small size, and then immediately escapes through a vent. Which surprises the principal who walks in and says, Good heavens, a tiny man escaping through the ventilator duct? He's basically like, you can't unmask me, I'm small. And he <laughs> yeah. runs away. He's like, I won't tell you who I am. I'm the gingerbread man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth noting that the Ant-Man's size varies wildly from panel to panel. Yeah. Sometimes he's like two feet tall and other times he's like eight to ten inches tall. Mm-hmm. It, there's no con- concept of uh, like continuity within these panels. <laughs> so anyway... The thieves that were stealing the money are rounded up and identified by a policeman as the Brady Brothers, part of Al Wells' mob. The policeman on the scene also exposition dump that Wells is suspected of murdering rival mobster Jumbo Carson, but with no body found, it was never brought to trial. You know the rule. Nobody, still alive. <laughs> well... It, he has to be missing for a certain period of time for them to rule it to death, right? Isn't it like a I'm certain... I'm just talking about it in fiction. Oh. Especially in comics. Oh, yeah. Don't Nobody. Worry. He's still alive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next day, a fellow classmate is showing the biology teacher a tiny deer that he captured near the river in a birdcage. Okay, okay. Stop the podcast. Yes. I need a tiny deer. I need to vote, devote the rest of the episode to that tiny deer. Yeah. The tiny deer is everything. <laughs> How did that boy get it into the cage? What would you what would you feed it? Tiny little patches of grass or like little tiny berries? It's so it's so beautiful. It's so small and majestic. And the fact that it's like a buck like a gigantic, like elk-looking thing, but just little in a little birdcage. I'm, I'm obsessed. I, I love that his first instinct was to be like, I gotta show this to my biology teacher, and shoves it in a birdcage. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love the tiny deer. I wonder how he got it in a birdcage. Deer are notoriously skittish. Yeah. I mean, like they do not stick around. No. Unless maybe because it's tiny, it runs slower. Mm. Like, well comparatively to its size? I don't know. No. I heard once that, um, especially when it's hot, mm-hmm. m- like m- does will put their fawns like near humans' houses because they they trust the humans aren't going to let anything bad happen to their to their fawns. Hmm. Uh, and they're always like, don't like, uh, don't like take it in or think it's abandoned because the doe's going to come back. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good rule of thumb is like, unless an animal needs medical attention, unless you can tell that it needs medical attention, don't bring it into your house. Mm-hmm. You'll end up with like one of those YouTube videos where people are like, look, I found a bird and it was, it was hurt. And then they open up the box and it ends up flying or like and knocking everything down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You don't want to do that. Well, that's why I think the tiny deer was able to get in the birdcage, because it trusted him. Because they trust us. <laughs> okay. I love him. I also want to point out that uh, you skipped over the fact that Dick came back from uh, capturing these criminals and bringing them to the police, and then he managed to change back and go back to the dance, and the girl was like, oh, Dick, thank God you got my scarf. It only took you two hours. Well, it wasn't two hours. That, it seemed like that exchange of, of the the criminals being captured did not take that long maybe 15 minutes time. i guess it looks like they went down to the police station though <laughs> although you you are right in that uh any any amount of time that's longer than like a couple of minutes is way too long to be retrieving a scarf yeah 
It was really hidden out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, back to the tiny deer. Yes. Back to everything to do with the tiny deer. I don't have more to say. I just don't want to talk about it. You just still want to... You think it's soft? Admire it? (laughs) Yeah. I would say it was as soft as a regular deer. It's beautiful. Honestly, this is a well-drawn animal. It is? It is. It is. I'm going to say some insulting things later, but this is a well-drawn animal. (laughs) Okay. So Dick hears this classmate tell the biology teacher where he found it, which is by the river, and he slips home during the lunch hour which is something that we do not have anymore. Yeah. Like, that's a thing that happened in the 50s and 60s where they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you guys can go home for lunch or whatever. Can you imagine having a whole hour to eat lunch? I, man, that would Ugh. have been so great to have at school. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> I knew people who would sneak out and go to, like, fast food joints, but you weren't supposed to, mm. you know? Anyway. Uh, Remember eating lunch at 10 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> in high school? <laughs> Yeah, school schedules are the worst. So weird. 10.15, I'm eating a hot dog (laughs) and some french fries. Some pizza that wasn't cooked through enough. Oh, man. (laughs) What was the worst thing in your high school cafeteria? In terms of, like, food? Yeah. Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot here. I don't know. We had... Our high school cafeteria had multiple options that you could choose from. So if you didn't like what the main course was, you could always, like, get a salad or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I ever was like, oh, I can't... I have to bring a lunch today. Yeah. But... I think the the pizza is up there. The the like undercooked pizza is up there. Yeah, the square pizzas. Yeah, those were never good. Mm-hmm. I usually I would usually eat whatever was served in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I didn't bring my lunch a lot. Um, they would do these like Taco Tuesdays that I was always like ugh. And the stuffed crust pizza that was my least favorite. Yeah, stuffed crust. That's what I was talking about. Was like they would ugh. make stuffed crust pizza, but it would be undercooked. Yeah. So it would it would taste the dough would taste like like raw dough or whatever or you know close to, somewhere halfway between raw dough and cooked dough. I hate it. The best thing in my school's cafeteria was these cookies that just slapped so hard. Mm-hmm. I went through a phase in middle school where I was like, oh, I'm going to skip lunch. I'm like, you know, I was a teenager. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to watch my figure. I wasn't really eating lunch. But I would make sure I ate those cookies every single day. Ah, uh, yes. I'll be healthy. I will skip lunch yep. and eat a cookie instead. Yes. Those cookies were so good. I would get two. I would get two every day, mm. which is why my skipping lunch scheme did not work. You have a problem, <laughs> yeah. Rebecca. I know. I miss them to this day. Okay. Anyway, so Dick slips home during lunch hour and has... (laughs) Dick slips. Dick leaves the school during lunch hour and has Ace trail the deer's scent, leading him to Professor Hansen's research lab, which we can see in this panel is spewing chemicals into the river. I really like that Dick mentions that um, obviously Ace needs to do tracking as the bat hound and not as himself, Mm -hmm. because the cowl helps him be a better detective. (laughs) Well, it's so he can dress up in his Robin costume. Because otherwise, people would be like, ah, Dick Grayson, why are you out of school? But Robin, Robin doesn't go to school. Exactly. And Ace the Bat Hound only works with Robin. I mean, why can't he just be like, I'm Dick Grayson, I'm walking My Batman's dog. dog. I'm, walking. I'm not Batman, I'm walking Bruce Wayne's dog. I'm rich, you can't tell me what to do. That is true. Why isn't he, like, homeschooled or go to some sort of private school that he mm-hmm. can just sort of call sick out of? I bet... Bruce would have wanted him to have, like, a proper, you know, socialized mm. education with other children and dances. Yeah. Well, also, Batman's not even around, so, like, what's he going to do? 
<laughs> That's right. He can he play can hooky. Stay home from he, school. he can play hooky all he wants. What are they gonna do? Call up to his house and exactly. say and say like he's not showing up to school. I bet you know why. I bet Alfred would. Yeah, be Alfred. Like, Alfred you was. Master Dick, you need to go to school. Alfred would for sure scold him. <laughs> yeah, don't want Alfred scolding's a special kind of scolding. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, he, he, he makes it to this lab, which is spewing chemicals into the river. And it is at this point that Robin remembers that there is a local scientist that is attempting to develop a formula to shrink living tissue. He doesn't remember this when he met the Ant-Man or saw the tiny deer. It takes him seeing the laboratory itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh <laughs> We are also met with a, we are treated to Sheldon Moldov's wonder for dog drawing. <laughs> the return of Sheldon not really knowing how to draw dogs. <laughs> he, like so Robin cannot get inside this laboratory and it is bolted shut and has a no visitor sign and all the secrecy leads to Robin to believe that this may be Batman's top secret mission and that he is the Ant-Man. Mm. That night, he receives a letter by way of police headquarters from Ant-Man telling him to meet up at the creatively named Gotham Jewelry Company, where he finds Al Wells and an accomplice stealing jewelry from a safe that is right underneath a poster of Batman advertising him as a speaker for the Jewelers Convention. What would Batman have to say as a guest speaker at a Jewelers Convention? Listen up, folks. Uh... It's, it's really simple. If you don't want your jewelry stolen, don't wear it on your clothing. Don't wear it in a fancy turban. Don't wear it around your neck. Don't lend it out to a film studio for them to be filming a movie with it. Uh, just don't leave your fancy jewels out and about. Don't put them in easy to rob safes either. Uh, I'm sick of cleaning up after your messes. So, there you go. This has been a PSA by Batman. There has been an epidemic of jewelry being lent out to movie productions, which have then been stolen by the Joker. There has been an epidemic of fancy turbans getting lifted off of people's heads that happen to contain priceless emeralds. (laughs) Please stop doing it. (laughs) Yeah, but if you can't wear your jewelry, if you can't flaunt your wealth, I mean, who are you? Really? Gotham. (laughs) God. So this mobster and his accomplice are stealing jewelry and Robin and Ant-Man team up on uh, to beat up on the crooks. They knock them out cold. You know who Ant-Man also kind of looks like? Who's that? The Noid. Yeah, he, he does a little bit. Yeah, speaking of pizza. With the with the red costume, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they knock them out cold. Robin deducts that the Ant-Man knew about the robbery because he used his small size to sneak into the mobster's hideout and eavesdrop. And the Ant-Man tells Robin that since Robin has enough evidence to send Wells to jail, he probably won't be needing the jewels and grabs the jewels and stuns Robin by swinging the safe's door into Robin. I love that Ant-Man is a great combination. He's both tiny and evil. (laughs) Perfect. That's a that's a good villain like trope is tiny and evil. Yeah, really. Ben- Benicula. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other small evil villains. Mini me. Yeah, mini me. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got one, but I mentioned him later in the podcast. So oh, okay. I'll keep it to myself. Okay. My my favorite tiny evil villain. <laughs> so anyway. By the time Robin gains his composure, the Ant-Man is gone with the jewels, and it becomes clear to him that the Ant-Man wasn't Batman in disguise using the shrinking formula to gather evidence against Wells. I, I like that he's still like, but if he's Batman, why would he steal those gems? And, ba- and Robin is dumber than a bag of rocks, honestly. 
So later that night, the Gotham Gazette runs the headline, Professor Hansen finds formula to shrink human beings, with the subheading B being, scientists also claim that he has antidote for restoring to normal size. Mm. Come over here, into my corner, it's Josh's Fact Corner. So as I was looking this up, trying to figure out what to call what is the words that are underneath of a headline, I learned that there are numerous names for the line under a newspaper headline that delivers more information, uh, and they include subheading, deck, and drop head. It's not a lead, because the lead is the first sentence or two of the article that has the most important details. Unless you're reading, like, an article from, like, The Cut or New York Magazine, or, like, The New York Times Magazine. You know, you ever read those, like, really long-form articles where it's not really news, they're just, like, it's, like, a, it's a true story, but it takes a really long time for them to, like, get to what the actual story is. Yeah, they, they don't follow. They're crafting a narrative. And this, and this is why I wanted to do a Josh's Fact Corner is because I took a journalism class, Mm -hmm. and so I learned the reverse pyramid, uh, or the upside-down pyramid of how to conduct a, a journalistic article, is you put the most important information at the very top of the article, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you, you give details corresponding to that and you continue going more and more down in terms of like actual relevancy to the story or or importantness mm-hmm. to the story until but, you just have the ticket price and how long it's going to run for <laughs> which is which is why a lot of times you'll read the article and it'll be like you know such and such is happening in such, such and such an area here's the plan and and here's what the the township is doing about it and then you read further and further down and then by the end of the article it's just like quotes from some guy who lives in town who like has an opinion about it yeah because that's the least important thing mm-hmm. the the way that you read a newspaper article should be the that you can stop reading at any time and you will have gotten all the information you need the type of stories that you're talking about are sort of just like public interest stories or whatever where they just they are delivering a narrative, which isn't like a newspaper format. Mm. Where was I? Oh, yes. The Gotham Gazette runs a headline about the professor finding a formula that can shrink human beings and also claims that it has the antidote. Even later that night, so this was in the like late edition of the Gotham Gazette. So mm. even later in the night, the Ant-Man shows up at Professor Hansen's lab and gets comes in through the window and threatens the professor's life if he doesn't hand over the antidote and the shrink formula so he can commit more crimes at a small size and live life at a normal size. I like when the criminal outlines their plan to a normal person and they're like, isn't that great? And it's almost <laughs> like these sociopaths are constantly looking for human connection. <laughs> I just want to find someone who's like me. Here's my evil plan. Do you love it or do you love it? Is it listen, isn't this a great idea? I'm looking for feedback, but also I'm 100% already sold on it. Yeah, I'm already do. I'm in the middle of doing it and you're either going to be an accomplice or a victim. Choose your role. <laughs> yeah. So the professor refuses to hand over the chemicals, pointing to a small robin on the floor and explaining that the boy wonder anticipated this plan and shrunk himself to make sure that the Ant-Man wouldn't be able to get away. Mm. The Ant-Man goes to beat the snot out of this teenage boy, but finds himself becoming ensnared by the boy wonder without even being touched by him. The professor then flips on the light and it is revealed that the robin that the Ant-Man was fighting was a marionette. Which raises the question of, does Robin have a marionette of himself lying around? He did. (laughs) Um, Okay. 
I would love a whole movie about Puppet Robin. Yeah. And I'd love to see him either team up with or fight my pick for favorite small evil villain, Scarface. Oh. I want a whole movie where Puppet Robin either fights Scarface or teams up with him. And he could, like, you know, just hang out with uh, Ventriloquist the whole time. And Ventriloquist, like, can't can't handle him. Or, or a Robin movie where he needs to fight Ventriloquist and he is able to, like, infiltrate him by being like, Oh, no, I have a, I have a crazy living puppet that tells me what to do, too. We should be friends. And then they can, I, he can, like, go on a little, little crimes with him until he finally is able to catch him. What if they gave the ventriloquist, instead of giving the ventriloquist Scarface his mobster dummy, what if they instead give him marionettes of both Robin and Batman and he went out and fought Tiny Crime? Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Tiny Crime. He could only fight the Ant-Man. <laughs> That's it. That's the only, it's the only villain that he can fight. Mm-hmm. Robin explains that the Professor Hansen story was a plant- fake news, to get the Ant-Man to show up at Professor Hansen's lab. They unmask the Ant-Man, who turns out to be none other than Jumbo Carson, the man thought to be killed by Wells' mob. I called it. In actuality, Carson slipped under a pipe with the professor's chemicals after being shot at and then was shrunk. Realizing his new advantage, he cooked up a plan on how to get even with Wells. Mm-hmm. And so this whole time, he's been working to not necessarily frame him, because Wells was a criminal. Mm-hmm. It's just like, help catch him. Yeah, but also be evil mm-hmm. at the same time. He, they, they don't ever explain how he got the costume. <laughs> I also like how Ant-Man is kind of like, this comic's getting too long. Wrap it up and take me to jail. <laughs> he like actively tells Robin to stop telling the story. He's like, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Robin is detailing to the professor, like, how, how this all went down. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, listen, I'll go to jail for the gem theft, but I'd like to be returned to normal size, please. Unfortunately, the professor does not have a perfected reversal formula, so Carson is stuck until an antidote is found. What kind of jail could hold him? A small one. A doll-sized one. Are they going to put him in a little bird cage like the tiny deer? <gasps> Are they going to put him in the little bird cage with, with the tiny deer? <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for the sequel comic. <laughs> the Ant-Man and the tiny deer. Oh, I love it. I want it so bad. <laughs> I would watch eight, eight seasons of that on Netflix. <laughs> so at the end of the comic, Robin is left wondering what Batman's secret mission is since he wasn't the Ant-Man. And again, if you'd like to learn what Batman's secret mission was, go ahead back to our Robin's death episode. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It is a wild, weird story. Mm-hmm. It has men in gorilla costumes and aliens that look like cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. Well, that's been Batmates. Thank you so much to all of our new listeners who maybe picked up our beautiful business card this week or had it handed to them by Josh. <laughs> uh, we hope you're enjoying. Please feel free to email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at batmates. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Every time we get a new review, we want to read it on the air. Please, five stars only. Because our feelings will get hurt. <laughs> well, we'll only read it if it's five. I mean, yeah, you can, well, listen, if you guys don't like us, no, whatever. No, five stars only. It really helps people find the podcast when you rate and review. So please give us five stars. And if you have any feedback and you don't like it and you want us to do something better, that's when you can email us or yell at us on Twitter. Well, have a good night and uh, we love you. 
Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Have a good week.